You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum, and uh, you're listening to Barrel of a Gun, uh, one of the songs on the Sunspin album. That's available everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, Amazon. You can go to sunspin.com and pick up cool, sweet merch. Barrel of a Gun. It's one of my favorites on the album. Hi, guys. How are you? Ryan? That was a gun noise. I I was. It scared me. I was frightened. Uh, We did something fun. The other night we did we went to uh, i rented a theater out uh you could do that so it's safe and everybody wore masks and there was 20 of it well it was probably like 15 of us and we saw back to the future at a private theater i hadn't been to a theater i, I didn't realize how much i loved the theater or the theater the theater until i was there with an e at the end it was really fun and back to the future was so good and i hadn't seen it in a while i think the last time i saw back to the future was also in a theater for like the 25th anniversary which would have been 10 years ago Wow. And you yeah. loved it just as much? Yeah. It's it's one that you have to see in a theater. You have to see it in a theater. It was really a good time. I will say that. So, you know, there are some the light at the end of the tunnel. It's uh, We had a good time. It was nice to be with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I told everybody to get there 15 minutes early, and I was late because, uh, well, I was at the wrong theater. So there you have it. Um, thanks for coming to the Stage It, guys. It means the world to me. Uh, every last Saturday of the month, I do a Stage It with Rob, our band Sunspin, and we play music and we have prizes and zooms and all that stuff. And it was just a, a really good time. Great turnout. And uh, I just want to say thank you everybody for the support and love and uh, hope you had fun. I hope you had a good time. Um, if you, uh, the most important thing here is uh, subscribing to the podcast. If you're here for Kiefer Sutherland and Jason Patrick, well, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. But if you want to help this little podcast that could tell them where they can go, Ryan. Uh, you can go to hell. <laughs> hell. <laughs> you can go fuck yourself. Go to fuck Osfield. Um, <laughs> no. And uh, no, you can go to, yeah, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, you can go follow on the Twitter inside of you pod. Pod. Uh, and uh, Instagram, Facebook inside of you podcast. That's correct. And you, they you can subscribe it. on YouTube. Go yeah. to YouTube. YouTube, uh, YouTube.com slash inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum, the whole thing. If you want to watch it. So uh, that would be great. So yeah, head over to YouTube, subscribe or listen to Apple on your way to work. Uh, the podcasts aren't that long. They're about an hour. Or so, you know, your way to work, maybe your way back, but you're not going to listen to three hour podcasts, which takes you three days to listen to. This is easy and fun and you're going to learn a lot, I hope. Uh, but I really appreciate you guys listening. Big shout out to all my patrons. Um also, if you want any inside of you merch, Lex Luthor stuff, Smallville lunchboxes, inside of you hats, uh, new trucker hats are here, black trucker hats are just awesome, tumblers, bunch of stuff. Go to the inside of you online store. And how about disco, disco, discount code? Let's do Ryan, uh, Ryan's di- Ryan. No, Ryan's discount. What do you think I was going to say, you pervert? Ryan's discount 15. For 15% off everything in the uh-huh. side of you online store. Get that because it's only going to be for a couple of days. Ryan's. Is there an apostrophe? No. No apostrophe. Mm-hmm. Ryan's. Ryan's discount. Discount 15. Mm-hmm. Can you remember that? Ryan's discount 15. You know, it's been uh, it's been a couple of weeks now since since my pup passed, Irv. Mm-hmm. And uh, people are like, how you doing? And always asking me. It was It's just a beautiful thing how folks have been just sending me all these messages and it's, you know, some days are tough when I really start to think about it. When I'm not busy, it's it's always about distracting yourself. But also you have to feel it. You have to feel the love and feel how much you loved him. And, you know, I definitely mm-hmm. get those moments. And I, I have his um, collar that I put a little shrine mm-hmm. for Irv uh, in the living room. And um, 
And the, so it's been cool. People have been uh, awesome. So I, I thank you guys immensely for that. Um, cool stuff going on, man. You know, me and Welling, um, I'm not going to say anything, but you know, we're working on a project together. Hopefully that will happen. Cool. But uh, I'm sure a lot of folks like to see us together again doing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Just been, uh, been writing and trying to pitch shows and come up with ideas and do things and um, doing the podcast and trying to get people to join Patreon and uh, listen to the podcast. What have you been doing, bud? Editing the fucking podcast. <laughs> Editing the fucking podcast. <laughs> well, you know, this week's really, I thought this was really great to get Kiefer Sutherland and Jason Patrick over here. And they both have, you know, they come from Hollywood royalty. I mean, Jason's dad was the the priest, the head priest in uh, mm-hmm. J- Jason Miller and Exorcist. He, he, just brilliant. And um, won a Pulitzer for uh, that championship season. Oh, yeah. Championship season, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the play. The play. And just, uh, you know, and of course, Kiefer Sutherland's dad, Donald Sutherland. And just uh, two amazing guys. And they, they were really, uh, they gave a lot of insight into this world. And we talked Lost Boys. We talked about family. We talked about a lot of stuff. So I think you're going to really enjoy this. So without further ado, why don't we get inside Kiefer Sutherland and Jason Patrick. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Did you you guys met obviously in Lost Boys, right? We did, yeah. Did you meet like in how, how did you meet? Do you remember the day you met? I, I don't specifically remember the day. I know it was up in we shot the film in two places. We shot it in Los Angeles and we shot it in Santa Cruz in the very, very beginning. And, and in Santa Cruz, it felt very disjointed. Uh, there were two units. Uh, it didn't feel as cohesive an experience for me, at least, uh, when we got back to Los Angeles. So I know kind of when I met Jason, it was like, hi, this is Jason. He's playing da, 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 da. And it's like, hello. And here's your mark. And Hey, well, Nice, really nice meeting you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be working with you. Okay, and look over there, and okay, rolling, you just know, like it, that. It was kind of like that, and I remember we became. <laughs> he's looking at like, well, I remember it a little differently. You remember uh, it? Well, it, he's right in that it was disjointed, and it really probably was just a handshake hello. But I do remember that I actually had my birthday up there because my birthday is on June 17th, and I turned 20. And they'd made me a cake. Uh, I guess it was me on a motorcycle or something like that. And everyone said happy birthday and all that. And I specifically remember Kiefer coming up and taking the knife and just cutting my head off for his piece of the cake, <laughs> taking a walk away. Now, that was before we worked together. And then the first day that we actually Perfect. worked together is the first day those characters meet in the film. Yeah. That night yeah. On the motorcycles. Yeah. Did you hit it off right away or was there, you know, there's always that thing. I hope this guy's fucking cool. I hope he's not a hothead. The end of that, just, by the end of that night, I think. Yeah, I think question, so too. I mean, by I was, the end of that night. I really appreciated the fact when I first read the script of Lost Boys, um, you know, I came from the world of get whatever job you can and just deal with it later. Right. Uh, but Lost Boys was written for much younger characters. Uh, they weren't supposed to be in their 20s. They were all supposed to be kind of Peter Panish, 13, 12, 13 year olds. And and Joel had made the change that he wanted it to be kind of 20, kind of early 20s and, and, and stuff like that. And so a lot of the dialogue had to change. And I really appreciated how seriously Jason 
took it, you know, that, that he was there to try and make the best film he could. This wasn't, I need this much money to get me to my next job. This was, how, how do we make this really cool and special? And so he did a lot of, you know, Joel Schumacher, who uh, we both kind of love and adore, but he did a lot of the battling with Joel. Uh, kind of on behalf of the rest of us to make the script what it ultimately became and 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 justifying certain actions for our characters, et cetera, et cetera. And so I really appreciated that he took the lead on that and that he was kind of an adult, serious actor. Because uh, a lot of the stuff that I had done, I'd done with very young people. Like right. Stand By Me was right. with 11, 12-year-olds who were amazing, by the way. And, yeah. and they were fantastic. And you were young too. I was 18, 19, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was a year I was a year younger than Jason. And so you guys would get uh, as a as a collective, you and Amy, Amy Gertz, Jamie, 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 Jamie. Jamie Gertz. Yeah, fuck me. I, you know, I make mistakes. But you guys <laughs> would all get together and go this 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 and you'd be the guy the point man to sort of talk to Joel about it. I think sometimes, but it was more that I spent a lot of time with Joel cuz he tried to get me in the movie for a long time, and once we started going because I had a lot to do, it was always about the piece, whoever else was in it. So if I felt that there was an issue that it wasn't quite working, it was more going to Jamie or going to Kiefer and say, what do you feel about this or this? I would never speak for them. And then, uh, then I would take the lead and go in there and say, look, you know, and I got to say, look, Lost Boys is Lost Boys because of Joel. Now I'm not, and when I say that, I mean, he got the guy who shot Raging Bull and Taxi Driver, Michael Chapman. You know, that guy doesn't come off that and shoot teen vampire movies, but Joel got him. He got Bo Welch, who was an amazing production designer. Mm. And then he got all these actors. He get Diane Weist right off an Oscar, Ed Herman, Bernard Hughes, you know, and young guys like me and Kiefer. Um, so, and he would be open to those ideas and open to dialogue and to make it interesting and different. I think the reason the movie has lasted is because of that effort and because of the involvement of the people that he picked. And our relationship as adversaries grew. But as I said, after that first night, we were thick pals for the next- Did you guys go out a lot? Did you party? We used to go out. They did. We'd go out for lunch in our makeup. You gotta tell that story. vampire makeup. We were sitting in Driving off the Warner Brothers lot in his convertible- Mustang. No, Porsche. And, and it's oh yeah, <laughs> it was an old. It wasn't. A, it was an old 1979 11T. It was All an right. old old Porsche. Um, and and we were in full vampire makeup, but we had we just couldn't have any more of the catering lunch, and we just wanted to go get a burger or something, and so we pulled out. Who's with you? Me, just, just me and Jason. Just the two of you. Yeah. In full right. vampire makeup, <laughs> and these girls pulled up. And I guess we'd been, wear, we'd been wearing the makeup so long that we forgot it was on. Yeah, we couldn't see it in each other. And the two <laughs> girls in the car next to us, we were like, hey, how you doing? And they just looked. They did not appreciate it. As they called <laughs> us a variety of names and squealed out. Literally, the light <laughs> turns green. We're looking over as 19-year-olds in the Porsche and everything. And right when the light turned green, they just look at us and say, pigs. Pigs, yeah. And drove right off. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's a perfect day. It's a perfect lunch. Yeah. We laughed about it for a while. The look on their faces was worth a million bucks. Because then we were silent. What the hell was that? Because you didn't, man? It didn't register. And then we're looking right. at each other, going, yeah. Who? "Oh, yeah." And then that was I it. mean, look, it's a stupid question, but like I've been on projects where I go, "Oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be a big, big piece of shit." Did you think 
this is gonna be big didn't have the experience to to Did, know yeah uh you know i look back on that time and whether it was lost boys or stand by me or even flatliners which joel sh sh directed as well those experiences kind of start to shape what you think when you're going through another experience oh this might have a shot uh but it was such early days for me i can't speak for jason but for me it was such an early time that you just did the best you could with the job and you were grateful to have the job and uh i had never experienced a huge hit i don't think stand by me had come out before uh lost boys started shooting so it didn't even cross my mind. You just were having fun as a kid. Yeah, just and not even as a kid. I mean, I, I took it very seriously. I was living on my own and, uh, you know, um, it wasn't even as a kid. It was, it was the beginning of what I knew the rest of my life was going to be, or at least I wanted it to be. And so that was really exciting. All right. What about you, Jay? Uh, you know, we were shooting for the sky. I know that. I know that I was determined um, to make the best uh, coming of age beach vampire movie ever made. And, uh, honestly, you have to understand that, and you've made movies in the genre. We had high level people as young, as young men working with, as I said, Michael Chapman, the sets, um, uh, so it was a perfect storm. Susie Beck. Yeah. And look, you know, soundtracks weren't everywhere like they are today. That Lost Boys soundtrack people still play. Oh, yeah. um, so it was a meshing of all these things. But once again, Joel's greatest strength as a director is seeing talent and not being intimidated by that. He welcomes it all in because he's going to create this collage and you have a big say in that collage. And as young you know, men, that was only the second thing that I'd ever done. Um, that's a lot of say to have. That's a lot of say. Yeah. In a big movie, in a big uh, studio movie, I think that's important, right? I mean, when somebody's helming the ship, it's it, if you see any cracks or he's nervous about so, or he can't, it it bleeds through, right? Mm -hmm. Have you felt that before? Like this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing? Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. It's got to be the worst feeling as a director, but worse as an actor because you're like, we're gonna fall, we're gonna we're gonna fucking sink. Oh, there's ways there's ways around it, and the trick is to try and be as helpful as you can when you you know when you realize that someone's inexperience uh is going to be problematic you know because there's some people that are inexperienced and find a new way you know and yeah. that's really exciting and cool uh, but there's some people that don't they get lost uh and if you can help them out it's easier than complaining about it um but joel didn't joel joel was an incredibly confident guy uh and again had a sense of I think he had a sense of the future or what was coming down the line or how to be a part of it than most people. Uh, and whether you like those films or not, you know, when you can't argue with the fact that three of his films are arguably, uh, you know, benchmarks for 80s filmmaking. Yeah. Have you guys ever been intimidated by another actor or a director? Where you could actually feel that intimidation. I'm intimidated by Jason Daly. <laughs> Still is. I'm glad, he, I'm glad he said it. That's why I get his autograph. I mean, you've worked, with I some of the, <laughs> you've worked with some of the biggest names. I mean, both of you. I mean, you've been around it. You're Hollywood royalty. I mean, you're, you know, you're, it's, you got to think there's somewhere along the line where you're like, you're, I mean, was it, was it a few good men with Nicholson? Was that it? was great. That was, I mean, it, it, that was the only time I've ever gone to work. Um, 
and actually half our cast went into work on their day off because the only two people working that day were Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise. And I just sneak in the back of the courtroom set and I just want to see it. And then I look around and every other actor on the show and a couple others, I think Bruce Willis, because uh, he was with the me and uh, yeah, it was the gallery was just full of people. And he did that in two takes. The big one. Yeah. You can't handle the, the truth. Was did, two takes. He did the whole scene in two takes. Uh, and he had such a great way of learning it. He would record, he would read it and record it on a tape. And then he would just play the tape in his car forever until he had to go do the scene. And, and the dialogue, he just memorized it. It was, it was a part of him. And so when he went to go do that scene, I mean, he just blew the room away. And Jesus. it was the first time I'd ever seen it. And Rob Reiner just said, well, there's nothing else we can do with that. Thank you very much. And he wrapped everybody early. Uh, and that I, whole speech. Yeah. You need me on that line. Yeah. You want me. That yeah. whole was what, two the, takes. The entire scene, Jesus. which is, has got to be 15 to mm -hmm. 20 pages. Mm -hmm. It's the whole crescendo of the film. Did it in two takes. But you weren't intimidated by him. No, because he made a point to make sure, I mean, I, I, I certainly knew who I was working with, <laughs> um, but he made such a gracious point of making sure I felt comfortable and welcome. And, and uh, JT Walsh was on that film who has since passed. Uh, I was friends with him. He was great friends with Mr. Nicholson. And so, so yeah, I, I found that the people that I have worked with that are worthy of being intimidated are also really kind and go out of their way to make sure you feel comfortable so that you can do your best work with them. Wow. Jason, what about you? I mean, you worked with Gene Hackman, didn't you? I worked with Hackman. I worked with I mean, uh, Duvall. Yeah. I mean, that those guys seem like, Hackman too. seems like he'd be difficult. I, he's one of my favorites, but he seems like he'd be like, you know, he had a limited uh, few days yeah. on Geronimo. And I got to say, it, like Kiefer said, one of the first things he came up to me and said that he had seen a movie of mine or two of them that he really liked this and that helped and that helped out. Um, and, but I don't, you know, I don't, that did help, but I, I, I was excited to work with people. Like it's like playing, you want to play with tennis with, with people that are good. And it was a similar situation that Kiefer said when I did sleepers because Hoffman and De Niro were in it and they'd never acted together. Cause you know, this is back in 93 or 94. So of course everyone showed up and it was in a courtroom. Mm -hmm. So in the same thing, everybody was in the gallery and it was funny because Levinson was the director, Barry Levinson. And for the first few takes, it was almost like no one was acting. He sort of had to stop and then call them over and say, so, hey, let's let's act. They were all, all everyone right. was underplaying everybody. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, no, I liked it. it. Look, if the person in front of you, the more real they are, the more inventive they are, that gives you better choices. It, it, it's better to play off that. It's better to reflect off that. I've always felt that. What do you, what if you have an actor that you look up to that's just brilliant? That is just like, you're going, this is fucking terrible. This person's just fucking shit in the bed in front of me. And no that's one's saying a exactly word. That's exactly what I felt when I did that, <laughs> that guest star on Smallville. <laughs> you're a because fuck. Because Lex Luthor had always been my hero. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's had to happen where you're, you're one of your icons and the guy's like, and no one's giving direction. Like this is not going to be good. I, I, in all fairness, I, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be politically correct. I have not had that experience. Um, you know, I, th I think for me over the course of my career, Sometimes maybe 
I've misjudged the quality of the material. <laughs> I think we all have. <laughs> you know, I think, and, and that's no one's fault but mine, right? Um, but the actors that I've worked with, uh, you know, not only have I been really lucky and fortunate to work with some incredible actors that everybody knows and that are huge icons and, and they were not disappointing, they were phenomenal at what they did. I've worked with day players that'll blow your hair back. I yeah, mean, right. that are really great. Um, you know, uh, that's as exciting as anything. It you is know? exciting because you're also never going to see those day players again. Yeah, And you, you get in there with a, a day player and, you know, every day you go to work, it's, I'm going to dance and to have a good dancing partner. Wow. You know, and it's, and it's awesome. by the way, that's the hardest to be a day player and come on and not be like, this is a family. Oh. And all of a sudden you're stepping in and being yeah. great. Yeah. And, and so experiences like 24 and designated survivor Oof. really allowed me to ex have that kind of moment with other actors a lot. And I valued those moments as much as anything, you know, period. Uh, and it was just like, man, this guy or this, this woman is just kicking the shit out of what is maybe not a very great scene. It's just kind of, you know, get us to point A to point B and, yeah. and they nailed it and they killed it. And I've just, those are the moments that I remember that I really, really do love what I do. Do you go out of your way sometimes to say, Hey, I just want to say that was great. If I see someone who does something that I think is great, I will be the, I, I will do everything I can to make sure they know. And by the way, that goes far. I mean, people love hearing that shit. Well, if they've put the work in and you can see it, they deserve it, you know? And, and, and so again, you know, my experience with actors has been pretty extraordinary. And I've, and I know I've been really lucky because I've sat at a bar more than once or twice and heard the stories of some of the crap that goes on. I just haven't run into a whole lot of it. Right. Mm. Jay. Uh, I think I've been pretty lucky. I mean, I haven't worked as much through the years as Kiefer because there was a while there where I would just be selective and every year, every two years, just not work. So usually the projects I was involved in early on, especially were stuff that I had a lot of say in. So, uh, I worked with the people I wanted to work with and, um, and I got to work with directors where once again, I had a lot of input, but I've definitely had difficulties. I mean, anyone would, it's, it's, it, it's a business filled with narcissists and vanity. And I mean, Kiefer and I have been in it for 35 years. So there's mm. going to be, there's going to be difficulties and there's going to be things that I don't know, make it more difficult to get it up these days for me. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Well, certainly, <laughs> certainly working wise. I don't know. Kiefer's different that way. He can get into a mode and, and, uh, and really chug it out. But, uh, I, I, in all honesty, I'd be a little more dispirited. I think you regret being more selective, being too selective at, at one point in your life. Um, I don't regret it because, uh, it led to certain projects that I'm proud of. Do I think that selectivity has a, a respect and integrity that ended up working in my favor? Probably not. I mean, the business changed so much. It really became about uh, fame and how many titles you have and things like that. And I mean, I could remember even back, I mean, geez, I, when I did NARC, and I mean, NARC was on a shoestring budget. There was nobody. And then Carnahan and, uh, and Leota, you know, they met me, wanted me to do it. And there was a nothing company making it. And this was back in 2000. And they didn't want me because they literally said I didn't have enough videos on the uh, video shelf. 
And Jesus. And I'll give it to Carnahan. I mean, he said at the time, look, I'm going to at least meet with uh, with Patrick. I don't know if he's going to do it, but if you're not going to let me meet, then, you know, we're not making the movie. So, I mean, that those are the kind of difficulties that came from that. Now, there would be some people that would stand up like that. But once again, um, I hadn't worked for three years before NARC because I, I did Your Friends and Neighbors, which I had produced. So... But I also got to say, I've always looked at different points in my life is what is this project going to bring to me? What can I give at 22? What can I give at 35? What can I do? I have something to say with this director, with this project. Because I really just looked at having a life. Honestly, I never really tried to build a career. And I think now maybe that bites you a little in the butt, but I wanted to live life. And these, these, these stories that we'd ultimately act in, for me anyway, we're going to be a part of that life. So that's the way I approached it. Not what would be the next, the next best move. So you still love- He's so full of it. (laughs) (laughs) Why is he full of it? He was, he was patient. He'd find the right film to do. He basically liked having lunch with me and hearing me go, man, I really wanted to do that film. Did you like making it? (laughs) And whether it was belly of the beast or rush or, you know, uh, those were the jobs that everybody wanted. I mean, and, and you have to understand, you know, Robert De Niro, who was probably the actor that anyone in the early 80s kind of wanted to emulate, certainly in the kind of career and work they were doing. In, the, in that situation, you did maybe one film every three years. That You know, I remember telling my daughter when she started, I said, you want to have the perfect career? Do two films, one in your 20s and then one in your 40s. <laughs> And then, and then be done, yeah, right. you know, and, and everybody will call you a real artist. Um, and it's the truth. And I think at a very early age, and as much as I believe there is an artistry to it, uh, this was how I was going to raise my kids. And I had kids when I was really young. Yeah. I was 19. And so I took a, a left turn and Jason went straight, you know, and, and I think, uh, you know, I've always taken my hat off to Jason uh, because there was a credibility factor that he had that I don't think anybody, uh, you know, or, or you know, the Gary Oldmans at that time did and the Sean Pans. But it was that that was a that was a tricky wire to walk. Um, so I always took my hat off to that. And I thought it was really courageous. Inside of You is brought to you by Factor. I love Factor Meals, Ryan. Do you know this? Yes. Why do you know this? Because I've seen them in your fridge and you've offered me some. And you've had them. And I've had them. And you love them. I do. Because I asked you every time. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I spent an enormous amount of money using delivery services for food or going grocery shopping and never eating the food that I buy or too many leftovers. And it's just, I waste so much money and, you know... Factor Meals has really changed my life in a lot of ways because they have so many different meals, like 35 different meals, more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. And it takes just two minutes. So it doesn't matter how busy you are. It's two minutes to cook this stuff. You always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. And that's what Factor does. Um, I, I, I just can't get over all the things they have, like filet mignon, shrimp, blackened salmon, um, their breakfast items, everything, dessert. It's it's perfect for my lifestyle, and I think it's perfect for a lot of lifestyles. Um, yeah, you can crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Keep kitchen time to a minimum. 
Factor meals are ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. Warm, sunnier days are calling, Michael. Well, yes, they are. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian-approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. It's pretty incredible. Head to factormeals.com slash inside50 and use code inside50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code inside50 at factormeals.com slash inside50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Factor Meals. Inside of You is brought to you by Rocket Money. If you want to save money, listen up. <laughs> I don't know how, how to tell you this other than this really works. Ryan went through this. Mm-hmm. We have so many unwanted subscriptions that we forget we have. And, uh, you know, there's so many apps nowadays that we just get lost. And, you know, I'm not very app savvy. And, you know, I'll watch a streamer. And then the next thing I know, I forget that I just watched one show and I'm still subscribed to this after six months with rocket money. They take care of you. Rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Why don't you say, did you know that nearly 75% and end at, did you know that nearly 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about? Yeah. I'm one of those people, Ryan. And between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it's never ending. Thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I could see all of my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. I love the dashboard and how it shows me this month's spending compared to last month. I like doing that. Uh, so I can clearly see my spending habits. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions. That's simply astonishing. Saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. I never really understand why, you know, you hear about, oh, well, what happened to that person? Or what happened? You mean they're a great actor and they're available and they, you know, it's, you know, I've had these conversations with you where it's like, you know, you were so selective and then you went off and I don't know, pretty much got your son back for <laughs> many years. Right. And there's that whole story, but it's not like you go anywhere. It's not like your talent escapes you, but it's gotta be frustrating sometimes when you're like not being considered for certain things. It's like, you know, what the fuck happened? What time time happened? I mean, time, ha- yeah. Time happens. Father, you know, father time undefeated. Well, it's not so much that you're not being considered. People just think you're impossible to get. You know, so it's a, it's a double-edged sword and it's, it's, uh, 
Yeah. You know, but I think you have to look at the root of why the decision was made. And I, I will always have huge respect for, you know, the films that Jason's made and the oh, choices yeah. that he's made. And, and I'm not joking. <laughs> Every year we'd have a meal. Man, I really wanted that film. Congratulations. <laughs> what, was, what was it like to make that? You know, I was just watching for uh, your friends and neighbors and I, that, that scene in the shower where it's like a five minute push mm -hmm. in on Jason's character. And I'm just like, it's one of the most powerful, like, even if you don't want to watch it or listen to it, or you're doing tweeting and doing, you are so drawn to it that I am just f completely focused on that. It was one of the most amazing monologues like I've ever seen. It really, truly oh. was like, I'm sure you're aware of that. No, thank you. Thank you. And uh, let, me, let me guess, Kiefer was two takes. Uh, I wasn't there for that. One. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Actually, uh, you know, one of the reasons I think it was so well written by Neil Labute, and I, as I said, I produced it and put it together and cast it. And I said to him, uh, everything was filmed on location, except obviously that we built that one uh, steam room. And I said, you got to build, I, I, I'd never wanted to tell him how to direct. I said, this has to be one take. Build a long dolly and just come to me. And I'm not saying it for me. I'm saying for your language. You don't want to break away from it. And he wanted, in a way, to make the longest monologue in American film at the time. But as you know, the content of it is so <sighs> difficult to try to pull yeah. off because of where it I couldn't goes. believe what I was hearing. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and once again, to go back to what you were saying earlier, the degree of difficulty, like a dive, I love that. We rehearsed every scene. We did that movie like a, like a play. We had three weeks of rehearsal, five days a week, culminated with a three-day retreat in a house we got in Arrowhead. Now, you could never do that with actors today, to get me, Catherine Keener, uh, Ben Stiller, Nasaja Kinski, Aaron Eckhart, myself. And the thing was, if one doesn't show up, nobody shows up. And don't forget, there's no iPhones then. Right. No one brings their kids. So when we started, we were ready. Ready to go. And the one scene that we never, ever rehearsed was that steam room scene. Jesus. By the way, I'm getting uncomfortable because uh, I noticed Kiefer's been looking around at all these posters like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? No, no, no. <laughs> Have you noticed, did you notice one over your left shoulder? Uh, yeah, I saw that as I sat down. No, always just take in one's environment. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about actors getting autographs from other actors? Uh, people collect baseball cards cars you know i mean if for whatever reason if if it's something that that you dig up <laughs> you don't do it, it. You, you don't have any autographs do you yeah i signed for him um, before he got up here you i got jason's autograph hell yeah he does <laughs> that's about it that's um, about it i think i'm looking around at the posters kind of remembering that when they had posters yeah i remember uh when we were doing young guns we we were doing young guns one and the first thing we shot was the trailer is that true? Yeah. We you were shot the trailer yeah, the, shot for shot. The very first day, the trailer was us coming over the hill and all of us raising our weapons and firing into the camera. And then it went young guns, you know, February 1987 or whatever it wow. was. And we shot the trailer and then we went straight from that and we all shot the poster. And I remember looking at Lou Diamond Phillips and went, I... I hope no one fucking dies. <laughs> and he went, why? And I said, well, because they won't be able to, they put out the trailer saying, you know, we're doing stuff on horseback. We're doing this, that, yeah, and the other. There's no I mean, digital erasing. A lot of accidents can happen here. And if some, if someone were not able to complete that film, the whole ad campaign is just shot to hell. So we started in a time when the poster and the trailer 
were as important as anything. Absolutely. And, yeah. and in the case of Young Guns, in their, someone's executive's opinion, more important than the film. Which I thought was hysterical. Well, because there were, news, really there were newspapers. There's no newspapers. Yeah. Now, newspapers, yeah. when you got that big full-time ad, I remember with Lost Boys. Now, look, it was a that's page. a classic poster, and that's all Joel. Yeah. Warner Brothers didn't know what to do with this movie. And the movie did good. It became huge on video, but that's all Joel. He put that whole thing together, and that wasn't a shot. He took pieces from things, uh, photo shoots, pieces from the film, and put that He did that the together. poster. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's wow. all Joel. That's yeah. all Joe. The, everything they had sucked. Warner Brothers had no idea what they were doing. That's all him. But Keeper's right. There was also, there's a romance to uh, the old posters, as you know, because you have them here. And it's the same thing with the trailer. And we talked about this before. I mean, I think that we both find that we're lucky that we've been around, a lo- uh, around long enough that we experienced when it was a big deal when a movie opened. Yeah. Because there weren't a hundred of them and there was no streaming. And you knew from the trailer that this movie was coming out in a few months right. or whatever your favorite movie was. And premieres were real. So we had that last sort of wave of that Hollywood history and also being part of films like Lost Boys that didn't have digital effects. And it makes a big difference. Yeah. yeah if you, I mean, back in the day, if you had a premiere in Westwood, that was it. There was a shot you were going to do pretty well. And definitely get laid, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Without question. Although yeah. I think I screwed that up, too. Well, let's say almost definitely yeah, for almost some definitely. of us. Look, you, you both come from Hollywood royalty, and I've seen so many like documentaries, and I've seen the true Hollywood story, whatever. The, you know, you've done all these interviews and stuff. But like growing up, like I grew up with a guy who was a manager at a pharmaceutical plant who worked mm-hmm. his ass off. And, you know, I didn't see him all that often until he came home. And, you know, we have... We had dysfunction in my family for sure, like everybody else. But I, I couldn't imagine, you know, you know, your your father, late father Jason Miller, was a Pulitzer Prize winner. He he was the the priest. Everybody knows the priest in The Exorcist, which was like unbelievable performance in that. He was a great actor, and of course, your father's Donald Sutherland. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's no fucking way that it's easy because your fathers are probably both out they're all doing their things they're having careers and like being a kid it's got to affect you as a kid there's no doubt uh not having them around all the time and so i mean but growing up a sutherland growing up uh uh, you know i I guess like a a miller at the time at the the time i mean how how difficult was that and is it something that you know because i have stuff that happened from childhood and you let things go i'm an adult you know my father, I've talked about. He's never capable of saying, I love you. I'm proud of you. Good mm-hmm. job. I've never heard those words. Even just, still. Even still, you don't hear those words. You don't hear them. That's just not in his. But I've learned that that's just who, you know, he can't do that. That's not who he is. And I, and I, and I forgive him. I love him. But as a kid, not hearing, you're really good or you're smart. I love you. Those are fucking difficult things not to hear. So I'm just wondering. Did you guys hear that stuff? Was that uh, the constant or is it something you always were chasing or was it hard growing up? I had a great childhood. I mean, I honestly, pretty awesome life, actually. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't grow up with my dad. I grew up with my mom. Right. Uh, great theater actor. Uh, every night after school, have to go to the theater, do our homework, uh, wait till the play performance was over, and then we'd all go home. So. I was around the theater a great deal. That's where I started. That's where we ended. Um, 
you know, so, and as a kid, you just, what you get is what you know. So I didn't have any trauma or drama or, you know, and yeah, my dad was, was working and, and I think pr probably one of the most prolific, important careers in English language, you know, and I'm his son and I'm hugely proud of him. Uh, did we spend a lot of time together? No. Um, do I understand it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we tried to make up for it as years went by, you know, did that um, work out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's our thing is our thing and it's, it is what it is. So, you know, but I'm hugely proud of him. I'm, I'm, I think he's an incredibly smart, sometimes very, very funny guy. Um, and he's a brilliant, brilliant actor and was really important, uh, I think to cinema. And so it's what it is. It also allowed me at a very early age to go, I'm going to do what I want, you know, because everybody else did. So right. I found that to be really helpful. Yeah, I always felt like there was a little competition with my dad and I. Like there was always like, you know, when I was an actor and he's working his ass off and making, a, you know, go to school and study and run a plant. And I was like, oh, you're making all this money being an actor? That's not fucking work. Mm. I mean, obviously he was an actor. So you were both doing the same thing. But did you ever feel like there was a competition? No, Never. no, no. It was, I mean, it was interesting for me. Things timing timing worked out my father had moved to france and decided to take a few years off he has three younger sons uh with a different mother or wife right. and uh, so he took you know a sabbatical for really almost a decade and that was right when we started doing lost boys and our and my film so and I've asked him, he didn't do it on purpose, but he left a window open for me that I thought was, you know, pretty cool. And so, and so yeah, so I, I never felt that. I, I just... Uh, I'm sure you've had your moments. No, I mean, I, I honestly, I'm thrilled when he's happy with the stuff that he's done. Uh, and I'm thrilled when things are going really well for him. Uh, and equally, I'm grateful for the opportunities I've had. And, and he commends you. Is he oh, yeah. He'll yeah. call you after something. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And you do yeah. the same. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. How did it affect or did it affect how you raised your kids, you growing up with an absent father? Did it have a change? Well, it's not so much. No, because I mean, I worked and uh, I made a point of, of kind of being in the same town as my daughter. I think the biggest change for me was I got divorced uh, from my daughter's mother uh, when my daughter was quite young. And I think I made a point of handling the divorce in a certain way that I didn't, that I didn't think either of my parents did that very well. Uh, <laughs> so I, I made a point of really trying to do that well. And Camelia and I are still really close friends uh, to this day. We still have Thanksgiving and Christmases together. Uh, so I think we've done that about as well as, as you can. It's not something I'm recommending for anybody out there. Yeah. Uh, try and avoid divorce. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I love Camelia and, and always will. And this is why we got married. Uh, and we were lucky enough to be able to kind of take care of each other um financially yeah. and in other ways which is generally what makes people kind of 
go crazy. It makes it easier on the kid though it's, when your friends. It's I mean, certain, it's certain about does that. And, and and the you know the one person in the group that didn't get to make any of these choices is the poor child. So, Sarah. So right? yeah, 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 and and she's extraordinary, and Michelle, and uh, so you, yeah, so that was probably you know in looking back at as a parent looking back on my life, if there was one kind of moment that I tried to do differently, uh, it would be divorce. Hmm. You got to tell him the, uh, your wedding story. And then I want to hear no, you about no, your, no. you have to you tell, tell him about your dad. No. <laughs> well, what about the wedding story? No, yeah. no, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I was very young. Uh, we were all young <laughs> and, and Jason was worried that, that I wasn't making a very good choice. And he had offered up his companionship and basically said, you know, if you start running right now, I'll run with you. And uh, he said this at the wedding. Yeah. Well, we were in the backyard. And I so said, no, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you, though. There was a big wall in the back and there was lots of people. And there's a lot of drunk people and a lot of uh, people on other substances. And we were just talking and I just in a wistful way, looked at that wall and said to Kiefer, I said, you see that wall? We run to that wall. We climb that wall. We just keep running, and we just shared a little laugh about that. I laugh. Well, what about I you though? Know. With your with your dad, I know. I mean, you, I, it was different. It was different than Kiefer's because my dad had a brilliant burst, and then that was it. As Kiefer said, his dad had a much more sustained career and and was famous. My dad, I I never felt fame in my in, in my family. I mean, we were very poor, uh, lived poor for a while. Um, and my mother's father was a wealthy man, but gave nothing. Jackie Gleason. Right. Your, your mother's father was Jackie Gleason. Right. But you guys were poor. Absolutely. So Jackie was Jackie Gleason at the time. Tipping doormen $100 bills, but, you know, meanwhile, you know, uh, hot dogs for Thanksgiving for his daughter and, and her husband. Yeah, and kids. Absolutely. What was, is there a reason behind that? I don't know what the reason was, to, honest, to be honest to God. I, I met Gleason twice in my life. So, um... I think there was probably an actor idea uh, that he didn't approve of, which is strange because he was, and he came from great poverty. But my dad wrote that championship season and then became a very big success, had never been in a movie, and got hired in The Exorcist, which is a story for another day. It's a great story how he got that. So, you know, he went from cashing $3 checks at the bank to in a year and a half when he appealed surprise being nominated for an Oscar in the biggest movie of all time. And he's a kid ultimately, aside from his talent, from uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania, coal mine. And uh, he couldn't handle it. So that was as great as it was lifting us out of poverty and all this wondrous stuff. That was the end of dad because he was gone after that. Well, what about, I got to, I'm thinking about Jackie now. Now that there's all the success, did Jackie come back into the picture? Absolutely. He did. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. Because they wanted to make movie versions of uh, that championship season. So Gleason then wanted to play the coach. And I think that's at the point that my dad said, go fuck yourself. Uh, wow. Which he had every right to do. Um, look. It, it there's a lot of crazy, you know, Shakespearean fear and vengeance and, and anger in our business. And I can't explain why, as a father, I can't explain why you wouldn't help your child. I, I, I don't know, but that was the case. Look, from my dad's standpoint, it made him, you know, delivering welfare checks and driving cabs and being a waiter. 
it made him um, uh, say, I have to be a success. And I think I told Kiefer this when we were doing the play, that he came home one day, we lived in Flushing, Queens, and I was pushing my brother on a broken down playground in this building we lived in. He said he came up the, uh, uh, the subway stairs, he looked at us, and I was pushing my brother, and he said he started to cry, he said, I'm getting them out of here. And he went up in the elevator and he started writing that championship wow. season that day. Wow. And so, you know, you, you, you go with what you go with. And what was your relationship with him? Was it pretty, I mean, pretty it was solid? Def- oh, no, definitely fraught because he was, because he was gone, um, had, you know, major, uh, we've talked about, you know, your dad, I don't know, but my, mine had major alcohol issues and drugs. And the truth is when he had this amazing sort of comet ball of fame and couldn't take it, we lived back east then. He moved to California, you know, bought a Porsche, sort of lived his James Dean fantasies out and sort of sadly pissed away this amazing, amazing career that he had. Because at the time, championship season was the longest running Broadway show since Streetcar Named Desire. And he was gives one of the penultimate performances in The Exorcist, the 70s performance. The movie doesn't work without him. So he can write his own parts in his own ticket. And he just got caught up in the typical uh, uh, Hollywood sort of downturn, the spiral. So from that, you know, as a young man, you look up to your father and you also need him to be there. But in some Oedipal sort of way, when I decided to do what I wanted to do, I just cut that line, man, and wanted to become my own person. And uh, so I never talked about him or my grandfather or any of those things in the early days. Ever. How was the relationship towards the end before he um, passed? Did you kind of salvage things a little bit? There was times where we were estranged for a while, but towards the end, yes. I mean, for, because you just have to look at for them, as you said, this is who they are. You know, he not going to change them. It's crazier for us to think that we're going to change our parents. This is all he could do. I mean, in 1938, you're born and then you, you if you want to have sex, you marry someone. Right. And then you have kids. You're not ready to do anything. And then you all of a sudden follow your passions or your mistakes or your demons. And so you have to see, you know, who they are. Look, doing the play all those years later, not only uh, reignited my uh, 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 relationship with Kiefer, which, you know, who I love like a brother, but it also, in the court battle later on, because I did that play and I did it in New York, that's why I got uh, Gus back. So in some karmic way for everything he did, if I didn't do that play at that moment, you know, and have my son visit me at, at that moment, that piece of evidence that I used, I never would have wanted. And to when see you my and Kiefer did that championship season in 2011, yeah, yeah, did you, you you said something about didn't you take some of his ashes? I had his urn because of ashes, and I just put it on the stage, on on, the stage on, right? on, as part of the as part of the things. I figured I knew he would love this cast, and figured I might as well put him up there. What was that experience like? I know it was short lived, but like, was it an amazing experience? Oh, it, it wasn't that short. We did two. a couple months, right? No, no six, I mean, seven months. With rehearsals, oh, wow. we were there at least five months, and oh, we we played months. it. We played it out. We it was it, best experience I've had because not only we're doing this play every night. I mean, I'd say to Kiefer every night he'd be in the wings, but I started the play on 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 mm-hmm. stage alone, and he'd be sitting in this window. You know, he doesn't come on for ten minutes, ready to go. We do the same thing every time. We'd give a little fist bump and say, "Time of our lives," and he'd say, "Go kill it." Out of my head. So yeah. it's not wow. when you asked before, do you know when something is going to be magical? Yes, we did. And even if it wasn't, we wanted to appreciate all that moment. Right. Yeah, it was a it was a 
definitely was not a short time. And it was a, but it was, it was a, an incredibly balanced cast and, and everybody went for it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, it was, I miss the film industry. The, my experience in the eighties where, you know, you would go shoot a movie up in Oregon and the entire cast and crew would move into a hotel and you take over the bar and, and you just, it was, it was a very communal experience. Much more fraternal. Of that and, and, and obviously that's changed. Um, but when we went to do the play, you know, there was never a night that the five of us weren't every night out together and every night after every show, play we were finish, out. we'd go grab something to eat, have a chat, visit, laugh about someone did this or that and, and visit and our was, various haunts. And it was great. That's great. Yeah, it was awesome. Inside of you is brought to you by Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. And look, hair thinning impacts a lot of us, myself included. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol helps support hair growth from within by targeting possible key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and even metabolism. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp as menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many possible root causes at play and Nutrafol helps address them through a multi-targeted whole body approach. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In Nutrafol's own clinical studies, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In Nutrafol's own clinical study, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplements for six months. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific possible root causes. With Nutrafol, getting help building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day. You could see results in three to six months. Take the first step to help you see visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter promo code INSIDE. Find out why 4,500 professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, Dot com promo code inside that's nutrafol.com promo code inside i always look at you and i'm like when you were on jack bauer for 24 and the one thing i always look at because my fucking mind goes there you know me i'm like god how does he learn all those lines how does he fucking work that much the guy is always working why does he work <laughs> so much 
Are you someone that just has to work? I've asked this question to other actors. I just, I, I've been, I enjoy it. You really enjoy it. 24 was, was an incredible experience. Uh, it was the closest thing I've had to a reg regular or real job. And, and, and I've had actor friends of mine, you know, who were really nervous about doing television and, and I spoke glowingly of it. And then they went and did it and hated it. You know, they hated the repetition they hated. I, uh, for whatever reason, uh, I, I didn't feel that way about that character. I didn't feel that way about the show. Um, you know, if you want, what I ended up walking away from with that is, is, you know, if, if you want to go to the Olympics and be a sprinter, you train, you know, and for me as an actor to be able to work five days a week, 11 months a year, you're going to learn some shit. And I did. How do you train for that? What, what do you do? What do you do to prepare for something well, like no, that? Well, no, I mean, I mean, you train with the regular things that you would do as an actress. So, you know, after, after a certain amount of time, you start to realize your ability to absorb dialogue uh, so that, is yeah. exponentially improved. You, you realize uh, that your ability to walk onto a set and figure out how to block a scene exponentially improves because you're doing it every day. And when we started, we were doing, you know, sometimes a film a year which is just a few months. So it, it taught me a lot and I loved doing it. Uh, is it for everybody? Oh my God, no. Because the people that I told them, you know, you'll love it, do it. <laughs> they fucking hate me. <laughs> they, they didn't like it. And, uh, you know, it's not for everybody. Uh, but I do, I have always liked working. I'll, you know, you guys talked about Gene Hackman. He's my favorite actor. Yeah, uh, I've never met him. I've never worked with him. Very jealous of that. Um, you know, he would do eight films in oh, a yeah. year. You know, whereas Robert De Niro would do one and a half movies every three well, years. Eight, 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 but De Niro would do that in the first fifteen years. Yeah, you know, now you will see him. Now he does eight movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Gene Hackman literally did. I remember it, the closest I ever felt to Gene Hackman was one year I did more movies than he did. <laughs> Yeah, you threw yourself a party. Yes, eight I did. movies in a year. He did. Yeah, Gene Hackman. Well, the, obviously, if he's done that many movies, there's probably a lot of Gene Hackman movies. I always assumed everything he was in was great. Oh no, no, no. Well, and, and but these <laughs> these were one of them was the package. There there were some great films. In but look, that. he had I think three ex wives, which is one of the reasons he's doing a lot of movies. <laughs> that could be part. But of he it. was also in you know, Invasion of the Killer Bees. But he was fucking great in it. Not a good movie, but he was great. Like the thing I've always admired about, you know, Gene Hackman and the Poseidon Adventure. Oof. The guy does not have a false moment. No. The film no. might not be great, but boy, he's just, I've never seen anybody that watchable and that, can, that can take me from point A to point B easier. Uh, I just, uh, he's a marvel. And the most believable temper. Yeah. When he loses his shit, what was that postcards of the edge? You go home and you get your shit together. Yeah. And he yeah, just yeah. loses his mind for yeah. a second. I'm yeah. just like, whoa. He, he can go zero to 70. Better than yeah, that's that. yeah. explosive. And I, I don't, you don't see that very often. Somebody that could just go the fuck up. Yeah. And just snap like that. I, I really. I mean, you take a look at even the performance that he gave in uh, Bonnie and Clyde, which was so nuanced. Uh, I mean, he's kind of playing the, the hick, dumb hick in the back of the car. And yeah. and kind of 
bemused by words and what he doesn't understand. It's just the delicacy uh, that, because he's a brutish kind of guy, the delicacy with which he can do some of that work is really I also like guys, as Kiefer said, and he was a Marine, and guys like that that come from something so totally different. I mean, we both understood somewhat what theater was, what acting was. Doesn't mean we'd have to find our own ways, but it wasn't a foreign concept. I just love the idea how some big galoot who's a Marine and then somehow stumbles into the business and brings that. But it was also one of the one of the qualities of those great 70s films that a guy like Gene Hackman, who looks like Gene Hackman, a guy like Elliot Gould, a guy like Donald Sutherland, a guy like Al Pacino, could be major worldwide movie stars. And very hard to believe that that could happen today. Well, yeah. I mean, the two biggest stars in the world at that time were Robert Redford and Paul Newman. So when you think of someone like my dad, I always thought he was the bravest man in the world because at that time to go, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go become an actor and kill it. You know, yeah. really? You don't look like Robert Redford and Paul Newman, you know, and, um, and neither did Gene Hackman, Elliot Gould, Robert Duvall. Or Pacino uh, or Hoffman. Yeah. So and, it's, it's, uh, cause it's just acting. It was all that mattered. You had the chops. Yes. That's what mattered then. And that's also that mystery which Kiefer was alluding to of doing a film every year or so and disappearing and then coming back into that character, that definitely influenced me in those early choices of mine, without question. Well, and it was a big difference. I mean, certainly I can reference my father's work. Uh, If you wanted to go see Donald Sutherland in in a movie, you had to go to the movie theater. There was no option to watch it at home. And so there was a big separation between film and television uh hbo the movie channels back in the 80s that started to blur the line uh and then the internet just you know but it was even more than that it wasn't just if you wanted to see a donald sutherland movie if you wanted to see donald sutherland's face Mm -hmm. you had to go to a movie theater yeah same thing with the de niro what does he look like who knows let's go see yeah and i always thought that why it was so powerful is when you did show up, you got to learn about them through that. Yeah. Not this mindless crap that everybody has to do. I got to see. And I've seen De Niro and Letterman with Hoffman and those people. It's completely boring to me. It's not interesting. Um, and they're uncomfortable. Uh, but to see Mr. them expose De Niro, themselves I'd in like a movie. To just point out that Jason said that, not <laughs> yeah, me. That's fine. I, I knew I that was your stuff was extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, Kiefer loved you on Letterman. <laughs> I um, did. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not interesting to me. And it's not just him, other actors. I, I'm much, it, it's much more interesting to me. And I'm much more involved watching them and what they do as opposed to satisfying. And these days, satisfying all this mindless platform junk. Um, to me, it, wa- it waters down the power of, of everybody's gift. Well, and you can make the musical reference of, you know, David Bowie was the perfect example of what you're describing is David Bowie didn't even stay in the same kind of genre, musically, aesthetically. Uh, so you never really knew who he was. And, and the mystery of who he was was as exciting as the product that he was making. Right. Um, what was that album and, cover going to be? And that yeah. is... that is That's true. That is... 
that has changed. The mystery is gone, is what you're saying, Jason? Well, it absolutely is. I mean, Bowie's a good example, but the other, but there are actors who are similar, is that the trends that were created was coming from whatever their artistic expression was, where they were in their life. Now it's the opposite. Whatever the zeitgeist is, you are supposed to fold into so you can get as many eyes as you can. And it's gone the opposite way. Now, you know, uh, and that's difficult. And look, I have a big problem with, uh, you know, social media. First of all, it's a misnomer. It's antisocial. There's nothing social about it. You're not socializing. But the problem is that people are appropriating other people's lives by what is popular and living in someone else's virtual now. And I think it's very hard for kids. That's why you have all these studies now that talk about the the suicide and depression rate of people mm-hmm. doing all that. And, you know, we're actors and that's the way things get get seen now. So you have to sort of, I guess, find a way to 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 meld into it. I haven't been good been good with it. But you know, also if you're a guy like Kiefer or certain actors, they don't even need to do social media. It's not going to affect their career. Their careers, you know what I mean? I mean, you're lucky in that that regard. But for like someone like me, it or doesn't some, affect Jason's either. I mean, well, Jason doesn't yeah. do any social, do you? No. Yeah. So it clearly has <laughs> <laughs> more than anybody's. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a tough one. It's like you, I, I hate it. I hate always feeling compelled to do it, but you got to get your face out no, there. You you're get showing your- what you do and you're not melding, by the way. Kiefer's Instagram or whatever show is mainly about his music, which exactly. is amazing. So it's not, yeah. hey, here's my donut and here's my puffy pout. This is what I'm, this is what I'm about. And I think that you do a, a really sort of classy, uh, uh, very sort of well, underhand way Absolutely. compared to everyone else now, you know, man? But you have something to talk about with that, and it's the music. Well, and the main the main benefit for me uh, with social media, look, I've been incredibly fortunate, and other people have backed me up on that. And so, you know, to be able to have a moment where you get to thank an audience that that's true collectively enjoyed something that you did, man, I'll take that any day of the week. Um, but, but. I agree with Jason that, that it is, it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, when you get to the bullying and you get, and you see how young people think that, like the number of young people that I've seen said, well, the whole world knows, you know, what I look like naked because someone posted this picture. I'm like, well, the whole world's not looking, you know. I think we had to remind ourselves back in the day that if, if a review was bad, you know, it was wrapping fish the next day. And it was. You know, and, you know, we need to kind of dial back the whole, this idea that the whole world is interested in anything any of us really do and just You're kind right. of take a deep breath and go, ah, cool. But it, it, but it is true that if you make a mistake in youth or even have an opinion that at the time, is not where the wave of opinion is going. That is there forever. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to get into the cancel culture, but that yeah. is another thing that, and I think that's the problem of appropriating other people's behavior and living things. You're not able to just feel who you are mm-hmm. and, and be able to speak and make those mistakes, or more importantly, have your opinions change. Yeah, right? that's... Your opinions change. Yeah, we grow. We evolve. I think you idea. said some things maybe in the 90s, 
maybe you didn't mean it. Mm. We say shit all the time. So we, you definitely have to watch him out. People get fired immediately for certain things. And it's, you know, what's good though, is that you were just talking about like for someone like Kiefer who doesn't really use social media, except to talk about like, you know, let people know about the band. Right. You love your music. It's probably your first passion. It sounds like it. I mean, no, I love them both. I love storytelling. And so whichever kind of medium you want to use to do that storytelling, you know, uh, we did that championship season. We told Jason's dad's story. Yeah. Uh, write a song about a moment or a thought. I love to do that. And then to go do a film or do a show like 24, uh, it's all storytelling to me. And it's just different ways you can present that. What I love is the fact that there's a lot of actors. I have a band called Sunspin, you know, and I love them. I love the album that just came out. We really busted our ass. But you, of course, people look at you and go, oh, actor, trying to be a musician. Oh, Kiefer Sutherland's good. But then you're like, wait a minute. These guys are fucking on tour in 200 fucking cities across the country. Mm-hmm. He's got all these albums. And I started listening to it. And I was like, wow. I'm not putting Thank my you. band down, but I was really impressed. Thank you. You know, and one song that really touched me was not from this album, because Reckless in Me is the new album, right? It is. I did a, another record in the pandemic, but won't come out for another few months. Yeah. Sweet. But uh, I love that song from Down in a Hole, the album Down in a Hole called My Best Friend. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just, you know, I, I just, I felt it. Man. I, think we've all been, <laughs> I think we've all been there where yeah, you kind of wake up one day and go, wow, I'm the one hurting myself, you know? Find mm. a way to make me my best friend yeah. was just like that lyric. You know, great thank line. you very much. Thank great you. line. Yeah, because I always think like, you know, people so many times on this podcast are like, dude, be better to yourself. Don't you're Mm -hmm. not dumb. Mm -hmm. You're not that, you know, they're all and sometimes my perception of myself. And then I listen to that song and it just was exactly like it's like, love yourself, dude. Fucking just love your fucking self. And I I don't know a human being on the planet that hasn't needed to be told that once, you know, Uh, or reminded, Uh, you know, it's look. It's been, it's been an interesting time. The thing that made uh, kind of caught my ear when you said, you know, actor trying to be a musician. I'm not trying to be anything. I can play. I can write. Exactly. So I'm not trying to be anything. You either like it or you don't like it. But I'm not trying to be anything. Um, and and I'm not doing it. Uh, and there is a big difference. This is not how I'm putting food on my kid's table. This is not how I'm making sure that they're all right. Uh, I get to do it how I want it, the way I want it. Um, and again, I, the first tour we ever played, I was happy anybody showed up. Literally, if 10 people showed up, I was thrilled. Yeah. Uh, the fact that more people did, I was grateful for that. Um, do I understand why 50,000 didn't show up? Oh, my God, yes. You know, I mean, it's no big deal. Uh, you know, so it's it's, again, I think, especially at this stage in my life, when you start to realize you got more years behind you than you do in front, do it because you want to do it. You know, if you're lucky enough to be in that place, uh, then do it. Can I play one hair of the song? Sure. Is that you playing? Mm-hmm. Most of the people that I've known let me down or cause me pain most of the people that have known me too probably say the same I don't know when it got so bad or how it all went off track all I know 
Cause I can't waste more time No more looking back So goodbye the past It's time to start again I'll find a way Yeah, I'll find a way To make me My best friend Come on! That is song writing. That is pen to paper, folks. Well, thank you very much. Thank really, really, I good. really, really love it. I really thank love you. it. Touch, touch the soul. It really did. You got to see him in concert. Because I can't he's got wait. A really tight band, and it's a really Please, good show. Please, let's go. You got to see his dancing moves. Yeah, I've seen. I, you know, I looked. I was watching some concerts online. I was watching one time. You were telling a story on stage about how you uh, wrote a song for your mom, mm. and then you told her about her. And then she looked at you like she was upset. Yeah, because well, I wrote about her passing because she had had a really bad stroke, and uh, and then of course the plane landed. And she had my sister had said she wasn't going to make it, and so I flew home and and she did make it. And then I had this song for a long time. It was called Saskatchewan, uh, and I said, "Look, I, I want to play this for you, so you know what I'm going to be going through because I thought you were going to." pass away and i wrote this and i and i just thought maybe I'd play it for you so you know how much i'm gonna miss you and i played her the song and uh she she looked upset and i started thinking oh my god what have i done this is the dumbest thing why would you do that why would you play her this song and i start to apologize and she says no no sweetheart you know I don't want to be buried in Saskatchewan, right? <laughs> and I said, yes, I know. It's a, it's a metaphor that that's where you're from. And she says, oh, then I love it. <laughs> so That's amazing. And my mom has since passed. So yeah. if she can hear Sorry. me now, I miss you. And, uh, and she, was, she was funny like that. And awesome. Kiefer did put you in Saskatchewan. I'm sorry. No, I did not. <laughs> no, he didn't. Hey, really quick, this is called Rapid Fire. This is just uh, patrons, my fellow patrons, just ask questions. You can do it really fast. Here it is. Jason, have you found a new guilty pleasure during the pandemic? If so, what is it? Uh, pickleball. Kiefer? Have I found a guilty pleasure? Yeah. Oh, pickleball. Good. Cooking. 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 Uh, Leanne P., what character have you portrayed do you relate the most to? I, I, for me, it would be Jack Bauer. <laughs> Jack Bauer as well. Be Jack Bauer. Yeah. Come on, is that true? Who? There's got to be a character. I, that you, I really could. No, you I, couldn't tell it. No. All right. Uh, Lisa H for Kiefer. So many great roles in films, but one of my faves was Flashback. What was it like working with Dennis Hopper? Dennis Hopper's amazing. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you a very quick funny story about Dennis. Please. Uh, we were coming back from work one day, and and I had only known him for about two or three days, and he was getting married, or he just got married. And and I had just gotten married too, but I was 19 and he was closer to 60. And and I was in the truck with him and I said, you know, I think it's so cool that you waited to get married till you absolutely knew you were with the right person. And he looked at me and he said, are you an idiot? <laughs> and I said, what? No, why? And he said, it's my fourth marriage, you moron. <laughs> I literally was so naive that I thought that he had waited till he was 50-something years old oh to get married because he was holding on for the right one. Uh, I love Dennis after that. <laughs> you Canadian, you. Yeah. Michelle K says, did you keep any souvenirs from Lost Boys, either of you? 
I kept the leather jacket and the sunglasses and then gave them both away. I think I kept the jacket for a while and I don't know where it is now. Well, you know, somebody who would like it. Uh, Maisha, Maisha, is there an artist, Kiefer, you love to jam with? And also Going Home is my favorite song by y'all. Oh, that's very, very sweet. Um, oh, my God. The list of people that I would like to play with is, is just is ridiculous. Um, you know, again, the aspect of music that I, I like the storytelling. Uh, I'm not the greatest guitar player. I'm certainly not the greatest singer. Um, but I, I've loved the storytelling. So there's so many different players uh, that, that I would love to play with. Um, one of my favorite storytellers, though, uh, just from a very early age, was David Bowie. I think I would have loved to have been able to visit with him for some time just to talk to him about songwriting and, and, and get a sense of how he visualized so much of the stuff he did. Yeah, that would have been awesome meeting Bowie back in the day. Uh, Cynthia, I remember watching the movie Rush, Jason. You and Jennifer Jason Lee were extraordinary. What was the way you approached this role and how emotionally intense was it to portray that character? Um, yeah, it was rough because I, um, it's so totally different than me, that, that type of character and someone that in that deep, deep, especially how old I was 24. So at that, in someone who had lived that kind of life and that kind of desperate addiction. So, uh, as I said before, instead of going on doing a bunch of drugs and hoping to get filmed that way, I feel you have to find those places in yourself that are that desperate and that dark. And I didn't have the technique at time to find it and do it. So for that four months, I stayed in that type place. And it was pretty heavy, pretty heavy, man. Kiefer, will we see Jack Bauer again? Or are you done with 24? I have learned to never say no uh, when, we finished, <laughs> when we finished season eight. I said we were done, and then we went and made season nine. Look, there should be no mistake here. I absolutely love the character, and I loved making 24. Uh, with television, the burden is on the writers. Uh, and if those writers, Howard Gordon, were to come up with uh, a great idea, I would always be open. You'd shave your beard for it? Oh, my gosh, yes. He'd shave his balls for it. <laughs> Kelly S. would love to hear you say, damn it, Chloe, one last time. Damn it, Chloe. He did it. He fucking did it. All right. Now, look, this comes to the end of the whole interview, but there's one question is elephant in the room I got to ask. Has anyone ever asked? I'm sure. When you were going to get married to Julia Roberts, mm -hmm. I know this is old fucking hat. This is 30 years old. 30 plus. 30 years old. So who gives a shit at this point? Right? Mm -hmm. It's been that long. I mean, you were kids. Then, supposedly, you had a thing with Julia Roberts. You took off to somewhere. Where'd you go? Well, I mean, that was all, that was all the, the, the press. I mean, the fact was, from my standpoint. Ireland. Yeah, I went to Ireland. Ireland. Uh, uh, I was going to say, have you guys ever talked about it? Was it yeah, always the other? Yeah. You yeah. have? Yeah, oh we talked. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, because, the, go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. No, we talked about, we hadn't seen each other. Um, we hadn't seen each other for <laughs> all, over 20 years. And then we contacted I don't know if it was that long, but yeah. Sure it was, man. Yeah, yeah we probably... I think we hooked up again in 2009 or 2010, and I hadn't seen and nine, yeah, over 20 before years. that. Uh -uh. Well, so a long anyways, time. But yes, we had talked about it. Look, the thing is, is that she's not here, so right in this room. So I'd feel strange talking about what she told me or what she told Kiefer because she could speak for herself, right? But the large stuff about the press and 
being invited to the wedding and then taking off with the bride and all that. That's all bullshit. That's all bullshit. You know, I mean, I don't keep for a specific relationship and what they were at the time. That's theirs. I mean, he can speak. But ultimately, yeah. there was a thing in uh, Rolling Stone and Kiefer said something and then you called Kiefer. Right. Well, I was making a joke about the country song. And someone had asked me a question about Jason. I said, well, I mean, you know, I lost my pickup and my dog and my best friend and I miss my best friend, you know. <laughs> and so, look, the press can make whatever it does. And, and that was a difficult time for me. And, and I think it was an uncomfortable time for both of them. Um, but look, honestly, the truth where I'm coming from, you fall in love, you fall in love. There's nothing you can do about that. And and she's an extraordinary person and he is too. And, and you know, timing is what it is. And, you know, everybody moves on from that. Well, the maturity though, because I mean, most people could never, you know, get over something like that or they would hold grudges or whatever. But you guys had a bond, I guess. I don't know. know. I mean, George Harrison and Eric Clapton, Eric Clapton were best friends till the bitter end, you know. But it wasn't, it, it you know, it, it wasn't to, and it wasn't know, that, no. by the way. Right, so right, right. I think you're, if they could deal with what they dealt with, we could. I certainly think. Look, deal when with. we when I saw him again, whenever that was, twelve years ago, or whatever, sort of, it was a few words of this and that. It was more of a laugh and a toast. Mm-hmm. And I've said in the press before, they've both been subsequently married since a couple times. I think they're both very happy in their lives. Mm-hmm. And what lasted after all that is me and Kiefer is, yeah. you know, 35-year buddies. Never got the truck back. <laughs> <laughs> so, Keith, when, when are you guys playing again with all this Gosh, pandemic stuff? We've got you? a tour in Europe in October, and hopefully we'll be able to play here in the States come July. And where can they go to get some information? Your, your Instagram? As soon as we have it, uh, we'll put it up on Instagram, and then it'll also go through Ticketmaster. And then your Instagram's at Kiefer Sutherland. I hope so. I think that's what it is. Cool. All right, that sounds good. We're going to go. But are you going to play anywhere in the States before you go, like a little show here or two? Oh, hopefully uh, in, in July. And then, you know, as stuff, as stuff is opening up, and I, and I think it needs to go slowly, and I think people need to be smart about yeah. this. Um. But I, there's a couple uh, opportunities that might come around in June where I'll just go out and do kind of solo shows with a guitar and and stuff like that. And, uh, so I'm excited about that. It's definitely worth it, you guys. You yeah. Well, if you ever need like the look. opener, and then then there's a second band and a third band, then you you need the one first guy to go, second guy. Gus and I, your son, Jason, we can go, you know, get on stage. Well, Gus is a much better guitar player than I Than anybody. <laughs> Gus is awesome. The kid's unbelievable. Yeah, he's special. He's special. Yeah, Gus, we love you, man. You're in, you're incredible, buddy. That he is. He this, loves Kiefer. This has been, uh, by the way, congratulations on quitting smoking. How long have you quit? Oh, seven months. Dude. Seven months. That's, how hard is it? Is it still hard? I miss it, you know. Uh, I'm glad I'm not smoking. How much um, were you smoking? I was a pack a day. Oh, stop. A pack a day before noon. I've been trying to get him to stop smoking since 86, without Look, question. I really liked it. You know, I really did. Uh, I did it for a reason, <laughs> you know, and. Uh, I'm really and proud. I, honestly, proud. I, I, don't, I don't feel much better for it. Bullshit. But everybody around me uh, feels, better. feels a lot better for it. So how about Jesus. that? So, well, so, you probably smell better. Your clothes smell better. Your, eh. You didn't really care about you that. You smell really good today. Man. Yeah, really. Uh, was that, I don't know. Is that your car? 
What is that's that? Car. It's one of those little fresheners. No, Drakkar. Oh, Drakkar. Remember Drakkar? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Drakkar. I thought you said his car. And it was one of like the, your car. The air freshener. They smell good. No. What are you talking about? But to all those folks out there that have quit smoking and to people that are considering quitting smoking, I mean, uh, it's hard. And I never thought I would quit. Uh, I was, I was, I had taken the long-term plan. Uh, but it is possible. And Do you feel better right now than you did when you're smoking? I felt pretty good when I was smoking. Um, you know, and I ran and I did a lot of stuff, but yes, I feel better. You said your voice is better. You can do Yeah, there's a things. lot of, there's, there are, there are significant benefits. Including life. <laughs> including, including life. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and the truth is, you know, it's, it's made such a difference. Uh, to people who are around me, and and for that I feel really bad. But for <laughs> for forty years, that plus, yeah, yeah, so. plus. But honestly, if, if you're out there and you're considering smoking, and it just seems like an impossible barrier, it's not. And I mean, if you did it, if by Kiefer Sutherland stopped smoking, anyway, that's what you said. That's what you said. Question. By the way, I read an article that Jackie Gleason, your grandfather, smoked six packs of cigarettes a day, wow. at least four, without question. Just light, um, light the last one uh, with the new with one. The, with the next. Yeah. Like the last one with the next. Well, yeah. guys, I hope I didn't keep you too long. This has been really you awesome. Rock, brother. This you has rock. been, yeah, this has been really fun. Thanks for, yeah, for coming in. And you're the first guest I've had in over a year because I've had to do Zooms. So hell yes. Awesome. And, and And thanks. Thanks again for coming over. I really Cheers. appreciate you taking your time. Thank Jay. We'll do you next time so we can talk. We have so much more to talk about. All right. Inside of you. Inside Michael of you. Rosenbaum. Thank you for allowing me to be inside of you, Kiefer, today. <laughs> I really enjoyed the conversation between these two. And when I brought up uh, Julia Roberts at the end, mm -hmm. I saw Kiefer kind of give me that look a little bit. and But he was so sweet about it. And Jason, and, uh, you know, he gave that little wink when I'm like, well, so who went to Ireland? Uh, where, where did you go with mm -hmm. Julia? And Kiefer goes, Ireland. They went to <laughs> Ireland. Uh, but you could tell these guys have been friends for a long time. And, you know, it's great that they could still be friends after all these years and some of the, you know, bullshit. I, I, you, know, you know, Hollywood always. Yeah. Um, amps everything up like i'm sure there was a there's a lot of reasons behind why you know the wedding didn't happen and you know and then how uh, jason got involved with julia and it just gets blown out of proportion and you got to choose who you're going to believe and the fact that they're friends and their friendship has stood this stood the uh test of time test of time is is it shows a lot mm -hmm. it tells a lot about these guys they're mature and um so I really enjoyed having them on here. And it was weird because I haven't had someone in the studio for over a year. So I was a little nervous and I was just like sitting across from these guys going, okay, we're talking, we're talking. And uh, it went well. It went well. So it was so weird. Once again, if you want any Sunspin merch, uh, go to sunspin.com. You could book the band. You could book us. You could also book a Zoom uh, and Zoom us. Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Great merch. You also get any inside of you uh, merch and Lex Luthor stuff, Smallville stuff. On the inside of you online store, use the code Ryan's Discount 15. Ryan's Discount. Never what I think you're going to say. 15. Ryan's Discount 15. Shout out to uh, all my patrons, all the patron love. And thanks everybody for listening to the, the podcast every week and staying with it. I mean, there's so many choices and you choose to stay with this. So I hope you continue to stay and support the podcast. And, you know, I try to get the best guests on that I can. And uh, more importantly, have just good conversations with people and to the point where I hope you learn something at the end of each episode. That's I learn a lot. 
from listening to people. And I, with my ADD, it's good to put these cans on and, and just be able to focus for an hour. And hopefully uh, you're enjoying it too. I learned that I'm taller than Jack Bauer. That was exciting. Oh, yeah. You are taller, but you're a tall guy. All right. Here's a shout out to all the lovely patrons who make this show possible. And thank you uh, to Bryce. And thank you for Ryan. Mm-hmm. I, I thank you. Thank you. I thank you for Ryan. Here we go. Nancy D, Mary B, Leah S, Trisha F, Sarah V, Little Lisa, you Kiko, Kiko, Jill E, Brian H, Lauren G, Nico P, Robin S, Jerry W, Robert B, Jason W, Apothean, Kristen K, Amelia O, Allison L, Jess J, Lucas M, Raj C, Joshua D, Emily S, CJP, Samantha M, Jennifer N, Jackie P, Stacy L, Carly H, Carly S, Jen. S, Jamal F, Janelle B, Carrie B, Tab of the 272, not to be confused with. Tab of the 273. Ashley Ryan, Kimberly E, Mike E, Marissa Nanirello, Eldon Supremo, Ramira, Beth B, Santiago M, Sarah F, Chad W, Leanne P, Ray A, Maya P, Maisha, Maddie, Kendrick F, Ashley E, Shannon D, Matt W, Belinda N, Kevin V, James R, Chris H, Osborne, Osborne H. Osborne, I'm trying to send you something. Give us your right address. It got sent back to me. I need your right address, Osborne. Was it, is it just the fjords? I, I I don't know what the hell happened, but I sent him a box and it just got sent back. <laughs> where where was I? God's sakes. Damn it. Dave H, Samantha S, Spider-Man. Chase. Sheila. G. Ray. H. Tabitha. T. Misha. N. H. Whatever. Tom. N. Suzanne. B. Yes! You're <laughs> guessing and you're right! Katie F, Liliana A, Michelle K. Hannah, hi Michelle, hi Hannah B, uh, Michael S, uh, Talia M, Luke H, Andrew T, Betsy D, and the less is the last list. Claire M, Liz J, Laura L, Chad L, Rochelle E, or or Rachel E, whichever you want. It's Rochelle, Nathan E, Brandel, uh, Taylor K, Neil A, Marion E, Meg K, Janelle P, Trav L, Dan N, Jennifer J, Wayne M, Diane R, Ojeda, Lorraine G, Olga C, Corey M, Carrie H. Veronica K, Big Stevie W, Kendall T, Lindsay M, Carol D, Katie G, Sandy B, Angel M, Eric P, Rhiannon C, Stephen M, Corey K, Super Sam, and Sherry S. Thank you guys all for being here, for being a patron, for supporting the podcast in so many extra ways. I love you. Um, and I got to be doing probably in the next month, I have to be doing a little uh, Zoom with all you guys. I could Zoom, 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 and the boom, boom. <laughs> Thank you from uh, Ryan here uh, and myself, Michael, in the Hollywood Hills. Hollywood, California. Hollywood, California. Wave at the camera, Ryan. We, uh, we love you. Thank you for allowing me to be inside each and every one of you. And uh, you mean a lot to me. So be good to yourself. And I'll see you next week. All right. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.